Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. For much of the past two and a half years, the Pennsylvania Office of Attorney General has been embroiled in controversy. It culminated with the criminal conviction of former Attorney General Kathleen Kane for leaking secret grand jury information and then lying about it under oath. Along the way, there were charges, countercharges, employees being fired, others being promoted, and a general feeling that the office was in chaos and not being effective as it could be. Against that backdrop, a new attorney general will be elected next month. Over the next hour, we'll talk with Republican and Democratic candidates. Joining us in the first part of today's program is State Senator John Rafferty. He's the Republican candidate for attorney general. Senator Rafferty, Rafferty is serving his fourth term in a district that is in Berks, Chester, and Montgomery counties. He is a former deputy attorney general. Senator Rafferty, welcome to the program. Thank you, Scott. My pleasure to be with you. All right, I start off with a very basic question when we have candidates on the air. Why are you running? <laughs> that is not a basic question this time out. This is yeah. a very, very good question to lead off with. And I think you have to look at the two candidates as you go forward. Certainly, we've seen a mess in the office of attorney general from someone who had the voters believe that uh, she was going to put the office in a different direction. Well, she did, but it Fortunately, it was a downward spiral. Uh, we need somebody in that office who understands the office, who has practical experience with the practice of law, and someone who really wants to be attorney general. And I've made the pledge that I'll bring back the integrity and professional responsibility in the office of attorney general that we've enjoyed for so many years in the office of attorney general. And I went to uh, the office of attorney general, worked there after law school. I went to law school later in life. I have a business background. So I have real-world experience, uh, three and a half, uh, four years in the Office of Attorney General, Criminal Law Division, Medicaid Fraud Section, very complicated, complex cases, to grand jury work as well. And I went into civil practice where I worked in law firms, again, real-world experience, overseeing uh, support staff, working with my clients, of course. I did uh, uh, general practice law from personal bankruptcies to name changes to adoptions to divorces, but I also did education law. I did mental health law, business, real estate, and zoning law. And then for 14 years in the Senate of Pennsylvania, where I worked on a number of pieces of legislation, both criminal law, written those laws or tweaked those laws, and non-criminal law matters, very complex pieces of legislation that governors have signed and today are laws here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I'm proud to say, Scott, that the criminal laws I worked on in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania are being used by our prosecutors today to put bad guys behind bars. Like what? Examples. Sure. Uh, I introduced Jessica's law here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania with one of my colleagues. We toughened the standards on Megan's law. I also did... Uh, Jessica's Law. Jessica's Law, sure. That grew out of the Jessica Lundy uh, kidnapping, rape, and murder of a young child in Florida where a sexually violent predator moved into the neighborhood, didn't have to register. Nobody knew that person was there, and he did this to young Jessica. In fact, Jessica's father came up for our press conference when we introduced I, it. I've actually talked to him. Yeah, yeah, amazing man. So we introduced it here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, worked on, on as well, uh, toughening the standards for... Uh, Megan's Law, I did the closing the loopholes on the DUI legislation where the repeat offenders, who if they had a smart attorney, kept continuing, continuing, continuing. Then they finally, when they went before a judge, whether it was three arrests, eight arrests, ten arrests, it was counted as, as one conviction because of a Supreme Court decision. So we changed that. We changed it. I did the ignition interlock law, 
which the governor just signed recently, which allows for first-time offenders to have ignition interlock for their cars. I did the aggravated arson legislation here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, which created the crime of aggravated arson and uh, stiffened the penalties for those and that grew out of the Coatesville area fires. And I, I can tell a little story on that. I also uh, championed the Brad Fox bill when it came over from the House, uh, Representative Marcy Tosel's, Topol's bill, to get it through the Senate record time, get it to the governor. That went after the straw purchaser of guns. Uh, and I continued to work on a number of other, other initiatives. I did Senate Bill 369 with uh, Senator Logan when he was in the Senate at the time, which was landmark legislation here, which provided for pension benefits for the widows and widowers and their families of fallen police officers, EMTs, firefighters, those slain in the line of duty. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about, you brought up so many issues there, and we're going to touch on how the Attorney General would deal with some of those things mm -hmm. throughout the program. But I want to get back to the Office of Attorney General itself. Uh, you know, I, as I described this program, I said it was probably job one to bring that office back, to make it more efficient, if it is in chaos. And, you know, from the outside looking in, the past two and a half years, it has been in chaos. So if you become attorney general, what do you do to bring that office back? First off, there's still a good number of really competent professional people in the office of attorney general. Finally, they hid under their desks, I think, during that reign, but they're there still, and they keep the office functioning. And with the, the new attorney general, Bruce Beamer, they're starting to clean up a lot of the mess and, and put the office back in the direction it should be. Uh, as Attorney General, day one, uh, the fact that I've worked in the Attorney General's office and the fact that I've been in the courtroom not only as a criminal side but on the civil side is going to give me instant credibility walking into that office. Uh, I still know some of the people there having worked with them many years ago in the office of Attorney General. And I'm going to, we've already put on our website our ethics policy for the proper use of government property. Uh, and we're going to have a a program for all the employees to understand, to follow. We're going to have professional responsibility classes. We're going to have CLEs on ethics training for our lawyers. And at the same time, Scott, there's not just the Harrisburg office. There's 20 regional offices. I'm going to spend the first few weeks in office traveling to all those regional offices to get a chance to talk with all of them, introduce them so, myself to them, tell them what's expected of them of their jobs, and to make sure that they understand the goals of our office and what we want to do in representing the people of Pennsylvania. If they, have, if they do their job, I'll have their back. And I'll continue to travel throughout the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania during my term as Attorney General. I'm not just going to sit in Harrisburg. They're going to see me at those regional offices where I can interact with them. You know, I don't know what the Attorney General's budget is. From what you just described, though, that sounds like it's going to cost a good deal of money. Um, the legislature decides how much money the Office of Attorney General gets. Any of the things you're talking about, would that cost more money? Uh, a little bit more, but let's look at it this way, Scott. We spent close to $1 million for some Maryland law firm to look at emails to make a determination there was nothing criminal there. Uh, we spent, I think it was last I heard, two hundred dollars to $300,000 for a law professor to come in to look at the Sandusky investigation, if you remember, that was the big issue, to come back and say... the issue for Kane yeah, being elected. Yeah, yeah, and came back and said, you know what, they didn't do anything wrong. Uh, so... Uh, there's money there in that budget. I've already talked to some of the members of the legislature about increasing the budget going forward because of the needs to revamp that office. 
uh, and I do have that kind of relationship with the General Assembly after I sat on the Appropriations Committee and the General Assembly for a number of years. Uh, so uh, I feel very comfortable knowing that the money's there and the money will be available going forward. All right. Just listening to a few of your answers, you've mentioned uh, your experience in the Office of Attorney General. You've also talked about, uh, you didn't say in the courtroom. I'm reading between the lines here. One of the things that uh, Josh Shapiro, your Democratic opponent, uh, that has been brought up is his lack of experience in a courtroom. Uh, when I talked to him, he said, well, you realize that 40 percent of attorney generals across this country have never tried a case. Is that an issue? And the bigger question I have for you is how are you different than your opponent? I have been in the courtroom, number one. Uh, number two, I'm different from my opponent because I've actually practiced law. You can claim everything you want about these AGs. They didn't go from law school to a political job, to another political job, to another political job, and now the arrogance of saying I should be the attorney general. I had real-world experience. I went in the courtroom uh, when I was in the AG's office, and the DA's office prior to that, my third year at Temple Law School, Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia DA's office, and I was in the courtroom and practiced civil law as well. So I have the understanding of law and the practice of law, and that is a huge difference. After all, we saw somebody go into the attorney general's office who claimed uh, to be an ADA for a number of years who, it turns out, had little experience, and now we have enough, my opponent has even less experience. So she wanted to try her own cases. He can't try a case. And I think that that's very important and vital for the Office of Attorney General going forward, that you have someone who understands the entire operation, and that includes being able to discuss with the lawyers the impact of the cases going forward. Uh, when I talked to uh, Josh Shapiro, he said that he's been with a law firm while he has held office. He is a former state representative, uh, county commissioner in Montgomery County now, um, but that he has been practicing law, criminal law, I don't think, but uh, he mentioned a number of different areas where he has been practicing law for the past 10 years. I've been of counsel to a number of law firms, as has he. Uh, if he's doing them, they're doing them, they're secret cases. Nobody seems to know what they are. Uh, of counsel usually means you're there to help be a rainmaker for the law firm, or you have a relationship with the people there, and they say, yeah, you can hang your shingle here if you want to be able to keep your law license active. Let's get into some more issues, and we will talk more about the differences between uh, yourself and uh, uh, Commissioner Shapiro. Opioids and heroin. Uh, this would seem to be the big crisis that Pennsylvania, not just Pennsylvania, but across this country that we are facing. Um, what are your plans to, this seems like it has to be a team effort. It's about to say join the governor's office. Governor Wolf has been uh, uh, you know, campaigning around the state for trying to fight opioids and heroin. What are your plans? Sure. Well, my plan has been up on the website for a number of months now. It's the heroin strike force that we're planning here. Uh, but let me say this. The legislature has been out front on this. Uh, Senator Gene Yaw has been for years talking about the Senate heroin for rural Pennsylvania. Yep, yep. Yeah. So we've already begun enacting pieces of legislation. I'm happy the governor's on board now. I'm happy he's recognized some of the things. We're eliminating doctor shopping. We even have legislation in that will limit the number of pills that a doctor could prescribe at any one time. There's bills from three to to 17, I think. Uh, and there are a number of other initiatives working through the General Assembly that will get to the governor's. If, if they haven't been to the governor's desk, they will get to the governor's desk. So I'm very happy in that regard that we are moving on it here in Harrisburg. But as the uh, the attorney general, we're going to have a, a multi-pronged 
task force, and that is, for once we're going to, once again, we're going to partner with our DAs. That hasn't been done for a while. We're going to partner with the 67 DAs, many of whom I have a great relationship with, having been the go-to guy with the DAs in the, uh, the General Assembly. We'll partner with them, use their resources, their intel, their sheriff's departments, their local police, their uh, B&I agents, my agents as attorney general, uh, our resources in the attorney general's office, they'll go after the street dealers, we'll go after the mid-level and high-level drug dealers and do a dismantle disrupt operation throughout each of the counties. That's how you're going to do it. You're going to affect their cash flow. And that's what you're going to do. And we're going to hammer them. And I want I want the mandatories brought back for the high-level drug dealers, five to 10 years. That's a, a dissuading factor for anybody dealing heroin. It's also a tool for the prosecutors to use going forward, and it's essential in fighting the heroin epidemic. At the same time, recognizing you're not going to jail your way out of this problem for the addicts. Uh, we're going to really work, just as I had when I served on the um, steering committee for the veterans courts here in Pennsylvania, was appointed by the Supreme Court to do so. We wanted to make sure that those nonviolent offenders who turned to drugs and alcohol got the rehabilitation, got the attention that they needed, once again, productive members of society. We're doing the same thing on the heroin task force. We've talked to the medical community. We've talked to social workers. We've talked to the pharmaceuticals to say you're all going to have to pony up on the treatment end. And then education aspect. We're going into the elementary schools. The elementary schools, we're going to partner with DOE and the school districts to start talking about the dangers of drugs and heroin. When I've done throughout the uh, counties a number of roundtables to discuss this, we've had uh, teachers sit in, and when we talked about going in, and I still say the junior highs, that high, that level, uh, they said, no, you want to go in the elementary school center because they're starting in the third and fourth grade to talk and know something about alcohol and drugs. Uh, because of society today. So we're going, we've revamped that. We're going to go into the elementary schools and start talking about that as well and uh, continuing the education aspect for doctors. We've been working with the medical community as members of the General Assembly uh, to make sure that doctors know the danger of just having open-ended uh, prescriptions for patients. What you've just described is kind of the universal thought as far as how to fight the problem today that it used to be 20, 30 years ago, maybe even 10, 5 years ago, that this was just a law enforcement issue. What you've just described will, will take teamwork. It's a holistic approach, it, right? It, it really yeah. is. But along with that, there are many people saying that uh, we have too many people in prison here in Pennsylvania who have, are there just because of possession, or they're a user. They're not a. Uh, they're they're not someone who was selling uh, drugs. What are your thoughts on whether, you know, some of the the law should be changed that some of those people who were just busted for possession or using or were addicted, whether they should be in jail or not? Well, we recognize that, and that's why I'm making that a platform that we go to rehabilitation. But two things have happened in that regard. Uh, one that the Supreme Court has. Uh, declared unconstitutional the mandatories, and that was something. Now, if you remember, it was back in the 90s. Everything was mandatory. Every, and that was just not Pennsylvania. That was throughout wanted. the country. And exactly. The exactly. Uh, and then we did, as we, as we say in uh, history, only Nixon could have gone to China. Only Corbett could have done justice reinvestment because Tom Corbett was known as a tough prosecutor, law and order guy. We did under Governor Corbett's administration the Justice Reinvestment Act which uh, Senator Greenleaf and Representative Mustio, the two chairs of the Judiciary Committee, were very active in, in drafting that, along with 
Secretary John Wetzel, Secretary of Corrections, to make sure that we took a good look at what we were doing in our prisons. There's a lot of people there with underlying mental health issues. There's people that were put in prison because of mandatories because they just they were possessing drugs. They weren't necessarily dealing with it. So we're starting to revamp the program and start to look to see to get them out into halfway houses and other shelters. They're not imprisoning there. And we did away with these uh, technical violations of parole in instances where uh, someone would show up to see the parole officer on a Wednesday and they say, hey, I'm here. And he said, we were supposed to be here at 10, 10 o'clock yesterday. You're going back to state prison. So we really have done, uh, I think, an effective model in starting to reduce that prison population to stop some of what you, you were talking about, Scott. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. We're talking with the candidates for Pennsylvania Attorney General today. Our guest during this portion of the program is Senator John Rafferty, is the Republican candidate for Pennsylvania Attorney General. WITF's election 2016 coverage is supported by the Harrisburg office of the law firm of Saul Ewing, LLP. One of the differences between yourself and your Democratic opponent is on the issue of guns. he points out in uh, when he campaigns that you have an A-plus rating from the National Rifle Association. For many people, that says that you are in bed with the NRA, you were lock, stock, and barrel, so to speak, with uh, the NRA. Uh, what is your position on guns here in Pennsylvania? Uh, well, that just goes to show the research that of my opponent, because I have an actually A-minus rating. Uh, wow. But I do have the A but rating. It's still an A rating. <laughs> it's an A rating. Uh, I'm uh, a proponent of the Second Amendment. However... As a, as a senator, I was the one who, as I said, the Brad Fox legislation, I took charge of it to get it through the Senate. That was the one that went after the straw purchasers. We took, we're taking the guns out of the hands of those who not should not lawfully or legally own or use a gun. That was a big step for the Brad Fox, which we're seeing now in the drug situations as well, where the addicts who can lawfully buy guns are buying them and giving them to the Dealers who have, because they're criminal convictions, cannot buy guns or use guns, and they're trading them for, for drugs. Addition- you know, you know, yeah, just, yeah. just for our audience sake, for those who don't know, that's a, what a straw purchase straw is. Straw purchase that's deal, Someone yes. who yep. cannot legally buy a gun because of criminal background, mental health issue, they get someone else to do it for them. That's, sorry, that's correct. No, sorry, Scott, no. And then additionally, I was one of the ones in the General Assembly and continue to be one of the ones in the General Assembly. He's Attorney General that has advocated for and helped make sure we had the funding for the gun violence task force in the city of Philadelphia, which was a Republican AG and a Democrat DA in Philadelphia sharing resources, information, intel, and money to get illegal guns off of the streets. Very successful program in Philadelphia, still talked about today in Philadelphia, went by the wayside under the former, the most former uh, attorney general. Uh, We're going to bring that back. We've already talked to the legislature about additional funding for cities of the first class, second class, and third class. So Harrisburg, Reading, Scranton, they could all qualify for these gun violence task force that will make available the resources to get the illegal guns off of the streets, which is the problem here in Pennsylvania. And we'll continue to work in that regard uh, to make sure that those who cannot lawfully and legally own or operate a gun are stopped. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about straw purchases. Uh, There was a proposal several years ago, and it was taken up by local municipalities here in Pennsylvania that would require those who have lost or stolen a gun to report that. This is what the excuse that many people, when there was a straw purchase, they would say, oh, that gun was stolen. I didn't know it. I lost that gun. Uh, 
you have not support. In fact, you, you have opposed allowing municipalities to enact their own guns. Wouldn't or gun laws, I should say, wouldn't that law, if that was enacted, that would require lost or stolen guns to be reported, wouldn't that cut down on straw purchases? I mean, the many people will, will point out, will say that, uh, hey, get a car stolen in Pennsylvania it has to be reported. What about a gun? Well, if I went out and my car was stolen, I'd be calling somebody. Uh, all I've ever said was whatever the laws are throughout the Commonwealth, they should be consistent through all 67 counties. And if that's going to happen, then the legislature would have to take up that initiative, and the legislature would have to pass it, get it to a governor for his signature. But why all 67 counties? Philadelphia, Pittsburgh is much different than Forest County. No, I just think that we're Commonwealth, and in Pennsylvania, you work for what's the betterment of the Pennsylvanians, so you do the legislation, you pass the laws that are for the betterment of all the people of Pennsylvania, protection of all the people in Pennsylvania. Not one section or one county should be carved out. If that's the way it should be, then we should just have where the money's raised, stay in that area for the funding for everything. But that's not the way the Commonwealth works. So you do something to make sure that, that everybody uh, has the same laws going throughout the Commonwealth. But, okay, you also support a lot of the legislation that would allow outside groups like the NRA to sue those municipalities if they do have their own gun laws. And almost, there are some people who would say that almost sounds like you're against your own cities. No, not at all. I think that if the legislature, again, laws are made by the General Assembly. The Constitution says that. If the General Assembly makes the law that says this is the way it's going to be through those 67 counties and the governor signs a law, then that's the law of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. but, but, Senator, obviously those cities, those municipalities feel that they have gun violence issues and that what the legislation that or the law of the state is not addressing those things. As I said, the, the city of Philadelphia is different than Forest well, County. I think the gun violence task force will hop in that regard as well. We have to enforce the laws in the books. And, and Scott, I'll disagree with you. One of the strictest gun control states is Illinois, and there was just mass shootings out there. So I don't buy all that argument, all right? We, the gun violence task force will help in those situations, a coordinated effort with law enforcement and intel, and what's going to happen as well. And, and when I've talked to some of the police in Philadelphia, they say a lot of this thing, a lot of shootings are they disrespect me or they're on my, my, my turf. Uh, so I think that you have to look at the entire Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and say what's best for the entire Commonwealth going forward. By the way, you don't have to dis disagree with me. I'm just asking the question. No, no, no. no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. Just, I'm sorry no, that's understandable. Senator, we're almost out of time. Almost out of time. Okay. I, there are so many other issues. I always allow uh, candidates to leave a message with voters. What would you like to say to the Sure. Thank you, Scott. Uh, this election's come down to experience. Someone who understands the role of the Attorney General as the Chief Law Enforcement Officer and the Chief Lawyer for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Someone who understands laws and understands the function of that office, which I've done practicing and working with it for 14 years in the General Assembly. You have to understand how to get a policy initiated. It's one thing to stand there at a podium and say, this is what I want to do. It's another thing to be able to work with four caucuses in the General Assembly to get something done. And lastly, I'm determined to stay as attorney general. I'm running. I'm not running space. AG to me means attorney general, not aspiring governor. I'm not looking to run for the next office, so I'm going to make decisions based on that. I'm going to go into the office of attorney general, pledge for, to serve for four years of elected, four years of reelected, to make sure that the people of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania are serviced to, uh, to the best efforts of that office and representing them going forward. Senator John Rafferty is the Republican candidate for attorney general. Senator Rafferty, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you, Scott.
The Democratic candidate is Josh Shapiro. He's a, a former state representative from Montgomery County and current Montgomery County Commissioner. He's also chair of the Pennsylvania Commission on Crime and Delinquency. Josh Shapiro, welcome to Smart Talk. Great to be back with you. Thanks for having me. So I'll start with a very basic question, uh, Commissioner. How do you view the role of Pennsylvania's attorney general? To be the people's attorney general, to be the one person every Pennsylvanian can rely on to protect their rights, whether it's the right to uh, clean air and pure water, whether it's their right to be safe in their communities, whether uh, it's a right to be able to go out and protect the interests of, uh, of a, the LGBT community or a woman's right to choose. I think we need an attorney general who's going to be there to stand up and protect consumers and stand up and uh, protect veterans and seniors. I also think at this unique time, we need an attorney general who has the executive experience to go in and clean up a mess. I've proven I can do that in many stages throughout my career, most recently as chairman of the, the Board of Commissioners in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania's third largest county and four times larger in the office of attorney general. And finally, I think now more than ever, we need an attorney general who can restore integrity and fairness to our justice system. And I have a track record. Uh, and a plan to do just that in the AG's office and in our justice system throughout the Commonwealth. Now, before we get into you referring to uh, the Office of Attorney General under former Attorney General Kathleen Kane, we'll talk about some of those things in just a moment. But your first answer when you said uh, being the people's attorney general and representing the rights of, and you n named a, a number of different uh, communities and constituencies, is that something that hasn't been done up until now in the attorney general's office? I don't believe it has, and that's not unique to the, uh, you know, to, to you know Kathleen Kane. I think it's been, frankly, a fact throughout multiple attorneys general. You know, there are three divisions within the attorney general's office: the criminal division, the civil division, and the public protection division. And I think the work in the criminal division, civil division, must continue and must be enhanced. And I've got specific plans to do that. But for too long, we've done virtually nothing from the public protection division. You know, we haven't protected seniors from scams. We haven't protected landowners from companies that stiff them on royalties. We haven't protected people's drinking water from polluters. These are the kinds of things that I think a public protector, a people's attorney general needs to do. And it's exactly what I will do. And I will touch on some of those things again a little bit later in our conversation. But we do right. have to talk about uh, Kathleen Kane. Uh, she was convicted of leaking secret grand jury information and then lying about it. Uh, people in the office were fired, demoted, or promoted based on their loyalties. It's believed that the office had devolved into chaos. What changes would you make in the office of attorney general? Well, we need serious reform in that office. And as I said at the top, I'm the only candidate running with executive experience. When I took over Pennsylvania's third largest county government in Montgomery County, um, ironically enough, my predecessor had just been indicted for public corruption. We had serious morale issues. We had all kinds of financial issues. And by every objective standard, we turned things around. Uh, and in fact, when I was reelected, I was reelected with obviously a huge number of Democratic votes, but over 30 percent of the Republican and independent vote as well, because we put common sense results first. In the attorney general's office on day one, we're going to take some very specific steps. Number one, every single person in the office, from the attorney general to the person who answers phones, is going to be required to sign a code of conduct. Number two, everyone will go through mandatory regular ethics training. 
Number three, I'm going to ban all gifts because I don't think anyone in the Office of Attorney General should be perceived as being for sale as a result of, uh, of gifts coming in from lobbyists or special interests. Number four, we're going to be far more open um, and disclose what we spend money on in that, in that office because I think the taxpayers have a right to know. Number five, we have got to make sure that we have a far more diverse staff. I think diversity is often needed in order to help you know, create a, a more robust discussion in the office, to root out some serious problems, and to make sure that you're making smart decisions. And finally, because none of this is going to be over on day one when I implement these things, on a regular, ongoing basis, I'm going to have an independent commission, which I'm calling the Casey Commission, that is going to regularly review the policies and procedures in the Attorney General's office to make sure we are operating with optimum ethics and with optim optimal integrity. And this is going to be an outside commission made up of law professors and citizens and lawyers and, and others whose sole job is going to be to examine our policies and procedures and make sure that we are conducting ourselves appropriately. I think those are steps that we will take on day one, combined with my executive experience, that is going to show that we're moving this office in, in a new direction. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you do talk about your executive experience, but let me go back a little bit. Uh, Kane was swept into office based on some of her campaign promises, uh, most notably promising to investigate whether the arrest of former Penn State football coach Jerry Sandusky was delayed for political reasons. She did not have an extensive resume for running for AG. She was an assistant uh, uh, prosecutor DA in northeastern Pennsylvania. Even though you've been a state legislator and chair of the Pennsylvania Commission on Crime and Delinquency, you've never prosecuted a case in a courtroom. There are Pennsylvanians who say that that courtroom experience is necessary, especially after the experience of Kathleen Kane. Well, I think, you know, her experiences and my experiences are completely different. But let me, adjust the, let me address the crux of your question. First off, you should know that 40% of our nation's attorneys general were never prosecutors before they became attorneys general. Um, they were people like me who had extensive experience in the private legal sector. I've been in private legal practice for more than a dozen years. They were people like me who were leaders on the House Judiciary Committee, people like me who led important state agencies like the Pennsylvania Commission on crime, people like me who oversee a law department in Pennsylvania's third largest county. Now, very few of them actually have done all of the different things that I've done. So I think when you look at the depth and breadth of my experience, when you look at what Pennsylvania needs in that office now more than ever before, a competent executive with a proven track record of success and integrity, I think this is exactly what Pennsylvania needs right now. You talked about uh, your experience uh, as, a, uh, as an attorney. What was your specialty, or what is your specialty as an attorney? I have been in private practice while, while also in, a, in pursuing public service for a dozen years. I've dealt with regulatory compliance. I've dealt with real estate issues, business transactions, uh, advising clients on a whole number of issues. Uh, but that's really been the focus of my practice over the last dozen years. No criminal experience? That is not the, the work that I've done in the private sector. Obviously, I, I worked on those issues extensively as a leader on the House Judiciary Committee, and now over the last two years as chairman of the Pennsylvania Commission on Crime. What is Pennsylvania's biggest crime problem? Well, it, it, some of it is regional, but I think if you look across Pennsylvania, the number one issue we're grappling with in terms of the number of lives we, we lose, and again, you can 
you can ask me the question however you'd like, and I'll, I'll be happy to answer it. But if you look at the metric of what's taking more lives than anything else, well, the number one accidental killer in Pennsylvania today is heroin and opioids. And I think we need a multi-jurisdictional, multi-dimensional approach to dealing with it. This is an example of what being a good executive is all about. Three years ago, we saw this issue emerging in Montgomery County as a big threat. And I took it head on by establishing a task force, not just of law enforcement, but also of, uh, of human services, drug and alcohol treatment, in beginning to combat it in Montgomery County, and then mirroring it across the state as the leader of the Pennsylvania Commission on Crime. I think we have to be honest with ourselves in saying that in Pennsylvania, and, and indeed really across the nation, we have failed to adequately address these issues for many decades. I'm, I'm certainly not blaming any one individual for it. This has been something going on for decades. And at the core of it, it's because too many people thought for too long we could simply arrest our way out of this crisis. And the reality is you've got to have a law enforcement side, but you've also got to have a human services or drug and alcohol uh, side to it. We have got to begin understanding that someone who is nonviolent and addicted to drugs has a disease, and someone who is dealing drugs is a criminal. And let me tell you something. I will be merciless when it comes to the drug dealers, but I'll be compassionate when it comes to dealing with those who are addicted. So we need far more diversionary programs to get people out of our prisons and into treatment. I mean, in our prison, Scott, in Montgomery County, and this is similar for Dauphin County and across Pennsylvania, about 40% of our inmates are nonviolent and are on psychotropic medications because they have serious mental illness, or they're suffering from serious drug and alcohol issues, typically heroin. These are people who should have been diverted from the system and given treatment because they're not getting it adequately in prison. And when they leave, they're still going to be addicts. And we haven't solved the problems. And we've cost the taxpayers 20 grand a year for, for these inmates. We've also got to partner with our medical community to get them to reduce their prescribing uh, of opioid painkillers and participate in a state database. And I'm proud of the fact that the Pennsylvania Medical Society has, in many ways, crossed party lines to, uh, to endorse me in the sense that they, they've typically endorsed Republican candidates. We've got to do a far better job of partnering with neighboring attorneys general and district attorneys across Pennsylvania to combat this, this crisis. And we've got to arm our first responders with Narcan or Naloxone, the life-saving uh, drug that, that is used to reverse an overdose. Um, you know, this is quite different from the approach that my opponent has taken. You know, he voted to cut funding for drug treatment. Uh, he voted to cut funding for uh, first responders to be able to carry Narcan or, or Naloxone. And, and I say that not to be negative. I just say that to show that there's a clear difference in our approach to this. I believe in an approach that involves treatment as well as incarceration, that involves drug and alcohol professionals as well as law enforcement. And I think when we combine all those efforts, then we can finally begin to have some success on the number one accidental killer in Pennsylvania. I did hesitate to put the word crime in there uh, when I said the biggest crime problem because you know, I was aware that uh, you see this as more than just not arresting our way out of it. But since you brought up the issue, a question that uh, I want to ask every candidate we talk to, but why do you think you would be a better choice for attorney general than uh, your opponent, Republican Senator John Rafferty? Well, and I say this respectfully because I frankly think people are sick and tired of the negativity and they want people to be able to articulate their reason for being their reason for wanting to, to serve them. And uh, I think there's just too much negativity out there from from my opponent, as well as, you know, from presidential candidates uh, on down. And so I've tried to offer a positive, hopeful vision, a vision that talks about 
you know, my plans and my track record of restoring integrity and fairness to the Office of Attorney General. Uh, my specific experience as an executive, which now more than ever is needed in the Attorney General's office. My plan to be the people's Attorney General and protect consumers and protect our environment and protect women's rights. These are the kinds of things that as Attorney General I'll do, I'm uniquely situated to do. Anyone listening to your program now um, should evaluate what candidates are saying, but they should also dig in and see what candidates have done throughout their career as, you know, as a predictor of ultimately what they'll do. And at every step in my career, uh, I've successfully fought for my constituents. I've gotten results from the people that work for me. I've laid out a vision, and I've effectuated that vision to the betterment of the community that I serve. And I think now more than ever, we need an attorney general with those skill sets. And that's why I believe I'm the better choice for attorney general. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. We're speaking with Democratic Attorney General candidate Josh Shapiro. The Attorney General represents the Commonwealth in court. Uh, former Attorney General Kathleen Kane decided that she would not represent the state if it meant defending a law that banned same-sex marriage. It was pointed out at the time that even though she may have been on the right side of history, her job was to represent the state. Now, an issue in which you differ with your opponent is state jurisdiction over gun laws. The state had a law that was struck down but could be resurrected that barred Pennsylvania municipalities from enacting their own gun laws. You support allowing cities to do that. If you're elected and the legislature approved a law barring municipalities from enacting gun laws, would you defend it in court? In other words, going against what you support. Sure. Um, you're asking sort of two questions. I want to answer both of them, Scott, to be fair to you and, and fair to your listeners. First, uh, as it relates to guns, uh, my opponent and I have a very, very different approach. Um, he is uh, endorsed by the NRA and has an A rating, uh, and I am not. I am someone who has worked in a bipartisan way to reduce gun violence in our communities. I don't think we can trust him to stand up to the gun lobby and make communities like Harrisburg and, and other communities across Pennsylvania safer. And I think that that has been borne out by the endorsements I've received from Republican district attorneys as well as Democratic district attorneys, uh, the bipartisan outside organizations that, that have backed me. And so we do have very serious differences. I believe, for example, that we should have universal background checks. He does not. I believe someone on a no-fly list shouldn't be able to buy a gun. I believe that we ought to um, you know, crack down on straw purchasers. These are things where we have serious disagreements over. Now, to the second part of your question, um, you know, the question of, of enforcing the law, let me be very clear. There, there, it is my job to enforce the law as attorney general, not to make the law. Uh, and there are many laws on the books that I'm sure I would disagree with, but it'll be my job to go out and defend them, whether I agree or disagree. If the legislature and the governor, in their wisdom, pass something and make it law, then it'll be my job to defend it. I do believe that there is one test any attorney general, actually any lawyer, uh, ought to hold themselves uh, to account for, and that is that you can't do something that is unconstitutional. So for me, the litmus test is, if I believe something to be unconstitutional, then under the law, there is a mechanism for me to um, pass that representation to the governor's office of general counsel and allow her to, um, to take up that, that case. Uh, that is something that was exercised by Tom Corbett when he was attorney general, something obviously exercised uh, by Kathleen Kane. I will only exercise that 
if I believe something to be unconstitutional, not based on what I what I like, what I dislike, or anything like that. I, I think the test has to be on constitutionality, and the Commonwealth Attorneys Act uh, contemplates that in, in giving me that authority to pass the representation over to the Office of General Counsel. Do you think that law, as I said, it was it was struck down not based on the substance of the law, but because it was attached to something that was unrelated legislation that was unrelated. Uh, but do you think that law is constitutional? I think that that it's hard for me to answer your question without seeing what the new uh, bill or law would would look like. Obviously, the courts struck down the old ones being unconstitutional. So what I'm not going to do is engage in, in a hypothetical because I don't know what the legislature would write, you know, the, the second time around if they move in that direction. What I will do is let the people of Pennsylvania know what my standard is. It's not what Josh Shapiro likes or dislikes. It's what Josh Shapiro believes to be constitutional, and that is the standard uh, under the law that that I would exercise. You received a $250,000 contribution from former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg a few weeks ago. Mayor Bloomberg, uh, well-known gun control advocate, that's uh, what he has been uh, uh, campaigning for and advocating for since he left office. Uh, in a state with large gun ownership and hunting tradition, uh, there would be some Pennsylvanians who probably wouldn't be happy to see that. How do you respond to that? Look, I have, first off, I'm a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. Um, I you know, go to gun clubs, shooting with, uh, you know, with family. I, I know that we have and, and believe that we have a strong heritage uh, in Pennsylvania that for many families in, involves guns and involves the responsible use of guns. I think what I would say to Pennsylvanians is that, you know, I'm on your side when about 90 percent of gun owners in Pennsylvania believe that there should be universal background checks. I'm on your side. I agree with you. My opponent is not. Um, I think that we can have common sense laws on the books that prevent gun violence while also protecting people's Second Amendment rights. Now, keep in mind, as I said a moment ago, I am not in a position to make laws. I'm in a position to enforce the laws. I certainly hope that the legislature will uh, adopt universal background checks. And it's certainly something I want to be clear that I would speak out in favor of. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's my job to enforce the laws, not to make them. Anyone in this Commonwealth who responsibly uses their guns uh, has absolutely no, will have absolutely no problem with me as their attorney general. Anyone who qualifies under the background check system to get a gun, uh, you will have me as your strongest defender because it is a constitutional right to bear arms. What I do think that we need to uh, prevent is gun violence in our communities across Pennsylvania. That is wreaking havoc, and I'm going to do everything I can uh, to make our community safer and prevent that. I want to touch on uh, some other issues in the last few minutes that we have together. Uh, you've also said that we have to be smarter on crime. Uh, what do you yeah. mean by smarter on crime? Well, I think we talked about this a little bit before, and probably the best example of that is, is where we're talking about how to combat heroin uh, and opioids. For a long time, we thought we could just arrest our way out of this crisis. And we can't. We've got to be smart and honest with ourselves about how we are going to prevent people from becoming addicted. And when they are addicted, break that cycle of addiction while making sure that the people in our prisons are the ones that are posing a danger to society, either because they're violent or because they're dealing or, or what have you. I think another area where we need to be far smarter on crime um, is, is in an area that I work on you know, each and every day as chairman of the Pennsylvania Commission on Crime and Delinquency. And, and in that capacity, 
uh, chairman of the Justice Reinvestment Initiative, and that is on criminal justice reform. You know, we are spending way too much money. The taxpayers are spending way too much money to either incarcerate people uh, or keep people on probation when we're seeing that it's getting absolutely no results to make our communities safer or stronger. We have got to do a better job of strengthening communities, making them safer, protecting the interests of victims, and protecting the interests of taxpayers. And I think we can do that through meaningful criminal justice reform. And I think you're seeing, Scott, people on the left and the right um, coming together around some ideas that we can improve our sentencing laws, that we can improve our, uh, you know, uh, who goes to prison and who goes to treatment, that we can make sure that the indigent have uh, a proper and effective defense in order to root out uh, some of these errors that occur. And in doing so, again, we can make communities safer, we can protect taxpayers, we can look after the rights of victims. And I think that there is a unique coalition coming together around those areas. And that's another example of what I mean about being smart on crime. Yeah, in, you know, I think that we have seen and from talking to a lot of people over the years that uh, in the last few years, I should say, that we have seen a real sea change in that both left and right it is no longer throw away the key. It is, okay, what can we do? And, of course, money has driven a lot of that conversation. I want to turn to another topic here. You mentioned right off the bat about the clean air and water. Uh, Pennsylvania has a constitution that says that Pennsylvanians have a right to clean air and water. But yet you may be the first candidate for attorney general who has brought that up. Give me some examples Correct. of where you would defend Pennsylvanians' rights to clean air and water. Yeah, Scott, you're right. I, I think I am the first candidate for attorney general to ever bring that up, which is shocking to me because it's, it's baked right into the Constitution. Pennsylvanians have a right to clean air and pure water. That means when they turn on the tap, they have a right to make sure that what is coming out is pure and that it is not, uh, you know, it's not polluted, it's not tainted, it's not something that will make their children sick. And I think for too long, attorneys general have had such a narrow view of the office, and I think my opponent uh, as well has a very narrow view of the office. It doesn't understand that, you know, a huge part of what the attorney general should do is to protect one's constitutional rights. In this case, I think we need to get tough on polluters, on frackers, who are dumping chemicals into our drinking water supply and making people sick. Now, sometimes accidents happen. People self-report, they pay a fine, they clean it up, and that is exactly the way the system should work. But other times people do it um, purposefully. People do it with a criminal intent. And for them, the attorney general is now going to go after them and hold them accountable. And I think that that is something that unfortunately is going to be new to Pennsylvania because it should have been done over the last decades. But it's something that I will take very, very seriously. Look, when something's written in the Constitution, it means that it has to be protected and enforced. And if the attorney general is not going to do it, who will? I think that these are common sense issues that people want the chief law enforcement officer of the Commonwealth to, to, to back. It's one of the reasons why I've been endorsed not just by every Democratic district attorney in Pennsylvania, but I've been endorsed by Jim Martin, the Republican district attorney from Lehigh County, the longest or second Republican DA in the state. It's why just a, a couple weeks ago I was endorsed by Joe Peters. If you remember, Joe Peters ran against my opponent in the Republican primary. Joe Peters is an accomplished federal prosecutor and state prosecutor. He's worked for two U.S. presidents of, of both parties. He's worked for attorneys general in Pennsylvania of both parties. 
And he looked at the experiences and qualifications of me and my opponent, and he chose to cross party lines. I mean, this is unheard of and endorse me because of my understanding of how we need to use the attorney general's office to protect the rights of all Pennsylvanians. You also mentioned workers' rights. Give me an example of what the attorney general can do there. We are seeing in this Commonwealth workers across Pennsylvania have their wages stolen from them. It is stolen from them because workers at times are misclassified. Say they work a full 40-hour work week, but they're misclassified as a part-time worker. We're seeing um, that have a, a negative effect on, obviously, the worker, but also their family and the broader community because the proper taxes aren't being paid, which means schools aren't getting as much funding, your local parks aren't getting enough resources to the local government or county government or whatever the, the case may be. And so it has a negative impact on all of us. We have got to crack down on employers who are misclassifying workers, who are stealing their wages and not uh, not paying them um, the proper wages to which they are entitled to. And I think workers have a right to have an attorney general who's going to stand up and, and fight for them. I'm proud in this campaign that I've been endorsed by a number of, of labor organizations, organized labor organizations, as well as a number of business organizations. And I think that what we're finding is this common sense approach is going to be something that protects all Pennsylvanians. Because here's the thing, you obviously know uh, what benefit it'll have for a worker if you have an attorney general protecting their wages. But it also benefits business all across Pennsylvania because the businesses who are doing it the right way, and the vast majority of them are, and they're not cutting corners, and they're paying their payroll taxes, and they're paying their workers' comp, and they're doing all the right things, and they're paying their benefits to their workers. Um, They deserve to have an attorney general who's going to hold the other companies who are cutting corners accountable. And they deserve to have an attorney general who's going to, in effect, reward them for doing the right thing. And and I will do that. I wish we had more time. Josh Shapiro, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you. I enjoy being with you. And let me just follow up by saying that uh, those were just thumbnail sketches of uh, a few of the issues that uh, the Republican and Democratic candidates for attorney general that uh, we had time to touch on. There are many, many others, and I would encourage you uh, as a voter to look into the candidates a little bit more before deciding on uh, on your vote on November 8th uh, for attorney general. As I said very early on, that uh, uh, besides the presidential race, very many other offices, very important offices, maybe not getting the kind of attention, media attention, uh, attention from the public as what they should. And attorney general certainly is one of those important offices uh, here in Pennsylvania. So I would encourage you to do even more study into uh, the the candidates, uh, both very good candidates uh, for uh, attorney general and, uh, you know, what what they have to say uh, running for uh, the the state's top law enforcement officer. Uh, We'll be talking with candidates throughout the month of October, all the way up until November 8th here on Smart Talk. Uh, Tomorrow, uh, we have the Democratic congressman, or excuse me, Democratic candidate for Congress in the 10th District. 10th District runs through Perry County, Juniata County, Northumberland, all the way up along the New York border. Mike Melisevich is the uh, Democratic candidate running for the 10th District. And again, we'll be talking with both Republicans and Democrats uh, coming up over the next few weeks. So uh, tune in to Smart Talk every day to get your conversations with those candidates.